What's up, guys? What is up? What is going on? It's a Friday night show. It's time for fun and frolics. And unadulterated bollocks is what it's time for. Grab yourselves a beer, pour yourself a wine, boxes worth of wine, and, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's get into it. Welcome, welcome to episode 130 of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. How are you guys? I hope you're well. Uh, special shout out to the Patreons tonight, the Binfluencer cult members who continue to support the podcast. Uh, I'm looking forward to our next meetup slash live show. That's going to be on the 10th of February in Soho. And it's me, Super Tansky, and Danny fucking Price. Uh, there's a couple of other names yet to be fully confirmed, but I'm very excited that they're discussing appearances with us. So that's cool. Uh, also, look, it goes without saying that if you're not following Super Tansky and Danny fucking Price already, go and find them. Go and seek them out. Give them a follow. Uh, what else is going on? Um, let's, let's, let's have a look at the news, shall we? Let's take a look at the week's events. Uh, football fever is taking over. Um, the World Cup is fucking everywhere. Uh, I looked at Sky News this morning to get some inspiration for the morning TikTok that I do. Like, you know, what can I, what can I riff and roast about today what is what is the latest chapter in this god-awful dystopian novel that we are all unfortunate characters in and no shit the top four stories were all about the world cup (laughs) like the top four headlines on sky news which you know look i'm not taking anything away from anyone here if you like football good for you if you love the Royals, good for you. I think you're batshit, but fine, whatever, you know. But can't we just leave the, you know, the dominance of it to, you know, the sports pages? Or, you know, Royal Gossip magazine. Like, why do newspapers and news broadcasters agree to this blanket coverage approach? Like, you know, if... If you were a journalist and you had a scoop about Dominic Raab or David Walliams or Russell Brand, (laughs) if you if you had a scoop about one of those three or all three, maybe being awful human beings, not that. Not that I'm suggesting any of them are awful for any, you know, specific, (laughs) definitive or slanderous reason. (laughs) I I would never do that without the aid of, you know, a team of magic circle lawyers behind me. But if you had a if if you not me, if you had a scoop about one of them, imagine finally getting that green lit by legal and it's about to go out. 
And you're like, yeah, this is front page shit. Career making. It's about to go out. And then your editor is like, yeah, um, page five, that shit. You'd be like, what? Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be on page five now. Like this is this is one of the biggest stories of the year. Legal just signed it off. I can now officially legally say that David Walliams is a raging fucking. I said page five. <laughs> then later you get home and your wife is all like, "Hey, how did it go?" <laughs> that awful feeling, you know, where you bigged yourself up to your wife because you wanted her to be proud of you. Like, I've got such a scoop. My editor is going to... My editor is going to leave the room with empty balls, love. Like, honestly, this is a biggie. This is going to make my career. Like, you were so certain. And and now you have to, like, you know, come back after your editor has, you know, let you down. And she's like, hey, how did it go? And you have to explain to her that it got bumped all the way down because, get this... The first four pages are all about football. Or, you know, the first four news stories on Sky News are football. Or, you know, look, I don't, I don't think Sky News TV is that bad. It's just a website. Like, I mean, I, like, I always think it's weird when something, like one thing, carpet bombs the news coverage. Like, you know, in 50 years... When we look back at this point, won't we be a bit like, so hang on a second, right? So there was climate change and there was Brexit tearing the economy in two and uh, COVID was raging so bad again that China was considering locking down all over again. The health service was collapsing. There's people dying in hospital car parks. But the top stories were uh, sport. <laughs> It'd be like, well... Yeah, I mean, like, you know, maybe people just, like, wanted a break from all that. <laughs> and you'd be like, then then don't read the news. Go and watch football. Go and watch the football. Don't, like, have a few drinks. Fuck your wife. Do something else. But when you click on the news, because you want to see what's happening in the world, or more accurately, because, you know, I'm on TikTok, but creatively running on empty... <laughs> When you click on the news, show me the fucking news. That's it. So, yeah, it was a, it was a bit weird to open that shit and just see a load of sport on there. Like, what the fuck? Like, is this... Did I open the Sky... Like, did, did someone at the app store route the Sky News app to the Sky Sports one <laughs> by mistake? You know, like, was it like a hungover intern accidentally pushed an update where everyone with app A actually ends up with app B now. Like, that's what it felt like. Anyway, look, in the depths of the news pages, there's obviously, you know, there's still a lot happening, right? Because the chaos doesn't take a break just because the editor fucking sucks. So I managed to find some remnants of what we would commonly interpret as news. Uh, so... Big one, Westminster, you know, political update-wise, is Dominic Raab. Dominic Raab is the subject of a bullying inquiry. And you may recall that this is the result of him having referred himself 
for investigation. Which I fucking love. <laughs> Referring yourself for investigating. That, that's like somebody going up to you and going like, yeah, uh, James, um, have you bullied your staff? Uh, I'm going to need to outsource the answer to that question <laughs> to this totally separate team over there. It'll probably take a while. So, uh, yeah, we'll just kick that can straight down the road. Outsourcing the answer to the question about me that I must know the answer to. I mean, to be fair to him, he had... Look, they are just allegations at this stage. I believe he has refuted them. Um, but regardless, this was his approach, his approach, right? Uh, as of, I think, a week ago or 10 days ago, was that he referred himself to some sort of committee or inquiry team so they could investigate thoroughly, really get to the bottom of what's happening. And I think two or three people now have suggested that he's, you know, he's he's a tad um, cunty to work for. <laughs> I mean, he he's got an NDA wrapped around a former female colleague, so she can't open up and talk about what the fuck happened, right? Plus, one of his other colleagues, maybe it's the same woman, I don't know, but one of them said he fucking exploded at her for not keeping two hours in his diary free every day that he was overseas. I think he was in the States at that time. But he was foreign secretary. He's representing us overseas. He's supposed to be having meetings, discussing trade, discussing security. And he exploded at this poor girl because she didn't block out two hours every afternoon for him to go to the fucking gym. <laughs> and then, you know, another one said he threw a pret salad across the room, right? Or, you know, was it just the tomatoes? I, I don't know. Anyway, look, you get the idea. Um, oh, oh, yeah. And the other thing was this thing about how... Um, when when it was announced that he was returning as justice secretary, right, civil servants <laughs> were sort of counselled about it. <laughs> they were like, there was like reports of like, you know, civil servants talking to each other, basically saying, yeah, um, he is he's he's coming back, I'm afraid it is true. Um, but look, if if you want to move internally somewhere else. Uh, we can try and help as many of you as we can to, to rotate you to different teams so you don't have to work with or for Dominic Rupp. Like, how funny is that? That the guy at the top of the British judicial system is seemingly so unjust, I guess, that people are like, fuck this shit. Not working for that prick. And it's a miracle he's even been reappointed, really. But this is a guy who, you know, as foreign secretary, just stayed on holiday while Afghanistan collapsed and fell back to the Taliban. This is a, this is a guy who, as justice secretary, has allowed the judicial system to teeter and creak to the point where barristers are striking or were. Actually, I think they've finish their strike action now but still his leadership brought that situation about he called Keir Starmer a wanker in the House of Commons the other week he pushed for Brexit then he became the Brexit secretary 
and ended up saying he hadn't fully appreciated the role that Dover and Calais had played in domestic track. Like, there's just so many hits to Dominic Raab. But perhaps, you know, most damning of all of his mishaps is when he was Brexit secretary, right? Two weeks in, Theresa May demotes him. (laughs) Two weeks into that role as Brexit secretary, Theresa May is like, "Uh, no, you... I think you're going to be my deputy, actually, in these negotiations. <laughs> I think I'm going to take the baton and I'll, I'll, I'll probably be me that leads this. Like, let that sink in for a minute. Just try and absorb that for a moment. Dominic Raab was so shit that Theresa May looked at him and went, yeah, you, you be my deputy. <laughs> I think that's the moment where anyone with any self-respect should be like, wow, I'm like not as good as Theresa May. <laughs> like maybe I should pursue something else. <laughs> maybe this was not my calling. Maybe if these rumours and allegations and Mail on Sunday articles and, you know, all that other shit that Rob no doubt probably refutes and employs legal gags and sues over. But maybe if there is any truth to any of that, perhaps a career in Hollywood production might be better suited. I don't know. Anyway, how does someone like that get back into a cabinet role? That's my question for you guys, dear listeners. How does someone like that Get back into a ministerial role, right, where, remember, you've got government whips, you've got researchers, you've got civil servants who will all know what his style of working is. They'll all know what kind of a personality he has and what his history is with regards to these sorts of allegations. They all know that shit, which sort of yields a question. Doesn't it? Like, why are they giving someone like that a senior job, like Justice Secretary? I mean, it's not one of the great offices of state, right? But it's, you know, it's senior. It's high profile. He's on the morning rounds. He's got a nice car. He's got a grace and favour flat. He's, you know, why are they giving somebody like him that job? And that question yields follow on questions. Is it because he's a highly effective minister? (laughs) Well, I don't think so. I mean, we just went through his rap sheet a minute ago, right? He sucked at Brexit. He was shit as foreign secretary. The judiciary hate him. So is he highly effective? I highly doubt it. Next question. Is it because... They want people in these roles who command strong electoral support to help them win the next general election. Uh, Well, no, because he's (laughs) 
he's in a marginal seat. So pretty likely that he's out at the next election. I mean, you know, don't quote me on that. I'm not fucking Betfair. But he's not highly effective. He's not a safe pair of hands, electorally speaking. Which means there's only two other possibilities to my mind, right? Either he has something on them, you know, on Sunak. It's like, give me this job or I'll tell everyone about the weird shit you do to call girls. Like dark, secret shit. But that is unlikely, I would say. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, Sunak isn't into some weird fucking, you know, Tarantino style shit. Which, if you haven't Googled the stuff about Quentin Tarantino and feet. Oh, my God. After you finish this podcast, have a little Google about that shit. Anyway, maybe he's got something on someone in CCHQ. That's possible. Because remember, it doesn't have to be on Sunak. It just has to be on someone who can then apply pressure on Sunak in response to, you know, effectively being blackmailed. But no, I don't think that's what has happened here. I think more likely. But, you know, still in the same neighbourhood as that sort of blackmaily stuff is just that he struck a deal, right? Like he backed Sunak in the summer and he's now been rewarded with a cushy job. A return to the Ministry of Justice. That was the payoff. That seems plausible to me. But then, here's, right, here's the problem with that. A lot of people would have offered support to Sunak in exchange for cabinet roles. A lot of people would have. Remember, he was one of two key candidates, right? A lot of people must have approached Sunak and gone, I'll, I'll support you if you make me justice minister or, you know. So, again, why Dominic Raab? Why him against the backdrop of all that is wrong with him? Why him? Like, are you telling me that you can't find one other charmless twant in the 350 Tory MPs who, who didn't have his HR record, who didn't have a catalogue of failure behind him? Or her, you know, you couldn't find one other candidate for justice minister that that would have made that trade. Really, not one. Because if that's the case, and let's be real, it appears to be the case. <laughs> it appears to be that they couldn't find anyone else. If that is what we're talking about here, then it's actually this, right? Let, let me break it down, pure and simple for you. This is the reason he's back in that post. Dominic Raab is the best they can do. <laughs> Dominic Raab is about as good as it gets for the Conservative Party of 2023. For all, for all the talk of, you know, we want the best and brightest. For all the talk of, you know, people who want to keep their heads down and work hard and make it, you know, the best they can do for justice minister after scraping the barrel and swimming through an ocean of slim pickings the best they can do is the guy with the ndas that no one wants to work with 
and that has a terrible ministerial resume. That is the best they can do. <laughs> they are peaking. I don't know, man. Like, you imagine somebody's, you know, sort of, you know, Tory dad. Trying to egg them on, trying to motivate them. Someone's Tory dad saying something like, that's it, lad. The conservative way. You just keep your head down, you work hard and you get on. And you too could scale the professional heights of a guy that failed at a bunch of things, allegedly treated people like dog shit and coasted back into a cushy cabinet role. <laughs> work hard and perhaps you could achieve a similar status to this fucking failing upward base jump champion. <laughs> he is the best they could find. That is the explanation. Like, the calibre is so low. Like, they, um, they ejected all the moderates, right? We know that. All of the remainers. The very few that remain that have something resembling integrity either, you know, didn't want to make a shady backroom deal like that or... You know, maybe they were overlooked because they vociferously opposed Brexit kind of thing. You know, like your Tobias Elwoods, your Tom Tugendarts. So what is left? Fucking Dominic Robb. Anyway, look, so his bullying inquiry has expanded now to incorporate this third formal complaint. And it feels like it's sort of um, building up to something. Doesn't it? It feels like this sort of, you know, energy to it now. It's gathering momentum. I mean, I would like I would like to believe that the chickens will come home to roost on this. You know, somebody like him who has the attitudes that he has about, you know, everything from Brits being lazy to, you know, human rights protections, which, you know, I would like I'd like to think somebody with his attitudes that there, there would be some repercussions with his conduct, with his behavior. I'd like to see him brought down a few pegs. But when it comes to bullying, I don't know if the Conservative Party have a particularly impressive resume themselves of handling that kind of stuff. It's like uh, Prime Minister Johnson. Yes, here is a independent inquiry that proves beyond any reasonable doubt that Pretty Patel uh, bullied her staff. What, what are you going to do about it? Absolutely fucking nothing. I'm going to chuck it in the bin. Yeah, not going to do anything about it. Yeah, I, I might promote her, actually. Like, are we supposed to believe that the Conservative Party are going to take this seriously? No. I'm not kidding about his, um, his attitude about human rights protections, by the way. Like, the guy, I mean, look, I, I read this on Wikipedia, so I don't know if it's 100% accurate, but, I mean, Wikipedia is quite good, I think, these days. But it suggested he demonised human rights legislation for it, get this, right, for it basically clogging up the legal system. <laughs> that was his, his, his beef with human rights protections, was that they, in his view, unnecessarily clogged up the legal system. As I say, it's on Wikipedia. I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but... I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know about this motherfucker. Shouldn't it? 
like, like I have the quote here from Wikipedia. Let's let's go through it. Fuck it. And remember, I'm quoting Wikipedia. I'm not quoting. Uh, oh, well, maybe I am quoting. They're quoting him. Anyway, look, this is what it says on Wikipedia. It says in 2009, prior to becoming an MP, Rob said he did not support the Human Rights Act, stating that the very enactment of the Human Rights Act has served as a trigger for the formulation of claims by lawyers and judicial reasoning by courts using human rights arguments that would never have been dared before. The spread of rights has become contagious and since the Human Rights Act opened the door to vast new categories of claims which can be judicially enforced against the government through the courts. Like, you read that and you think... You think... Yeah, but here's, here's the thing, Dom, right? The fact that so many people are suing for having had their human rights breached... It could tell you one of two things, couldn't it? There's two possible conclusions you could draw from that. Hundreds of thousands of people are suing for their human rights being breached. There's two ways you could read that. It could be telling you it's clogging up the system. It's allowing lawyers to launch claims that they never would have dared before. It's clogging up the system like a nuisance. It could be telling you that. Or, and hear me out, Dom. Right, just just bear with me. Or, it could be telling you, oh shit. Lots and lots of people are having their rights breached. Fuck! We should do something to protect these people. Is there anything we can do to police these issues? Is there some justice we could perhaps implement? How do we govern and protect people in a way that allows them to safely exercise their human rights? Is there some way we can... And he would be like, no, no, I, um, I think it just means that it's uh, clogging up the system. <laughs> like, it is crayon-eating simpleton territory, isn't it? To just black and white face value conclude that. That's the only conclusion I can come to is that, uh, yeah, it's a nuisance and it's clogging everything up. You, you don't think it suggests that lots of people are having their rights? No, no, no. It's like if we if we removed Dominic Raab from the conversation of human rights. From the conversation of justice minister and so on. And instead, what if we planted him in a different conversation? In a different industry or discipline or you know pinch point of politics or so like something like um deprivation and food banks and maybe then you could just you know sit him down and you could say you see out there dom right there's a, there's a food bank out there it looks incredibly busy doesn't it what do you, dom i'm curious what does the popularity of food banks tell us dom could you um, that they're, I think it, it tells us that they're really good and people love them. No, Dom. No, I don't think you're really getting this, are you? Like if, if people are queuing round the corner at a food bank, what do you think we can glean politically from that? Well, um, 
you know, people queue for uh, tickets to Star Wars movies and um, and K-pop concerts. No, Tom, please, please try and think about this for one minute. They're just uh, just really popular, I think. Like that is the level of critical thought that we're dealing with here. That is the pinnacle of the British Ministry of Justice. <laughs> it's like the British Ministry of Just- Justice has a guy at the helm who wraps NDAs around women to stop them speaking out. And whose response to human rights abuses is, well, you know, get rid of the human rights laws, you know? And then and then technically, right, technically, bear with, yeah, if we get rid of the human rights laws, technically, we don't have any human rights abuses, guys. See? Smart. You thought I was an idiot, didn't you? You all called me stupid, didn't you? But, you know, who's the, uh, who's the, uh, what, what was it you called me, Dave? Who, who's the Nickelodeon G.I. Joe now, eh? See, I've, <laughs> I've figured it out. Smart, yeah? Chess, not checkers. <laughs> There's lawyers and civil servants and, you know, just to see people and be looking on like, oh, Christ. Oh, I can't even... Like, what did you say your IQ was again, Dom? Uh, 37. Right. Cool. Great stuff. I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe that's the problem. You know, maybe... Um, maybe Dominic Raab is just so ferociously, cosmically dumb that his civil servants think he's this sort of, you know dumb happy kid right (laughs) like you know they think he's just like you know oops was i supposed to come back early for my holiday (laughs) silly me i i just like boogie boarding though that's the thing i can't get away because because i like sad i i I like i like sad you know (laughs) they just see him as this sort of dumb happy kid right but then you know I don't want to be too mean here, right? But but maybe then, like, some other cognitively impaired kids. <laughs> maybe maybe it doesn't take much to set them off. <laughs> like, so they're like, hey, Dom, <laughs> we got you a little lunchbox, you little tinker. Come over here. And, it, you know, he opens it. And he's thinking it's going to be a cheeseburger Happy Meal. <laughs> but, it, but instead it's a pret salad with tomatoes and then he's you know it sets him off because he's the dumb happy kid but he's he doesn't have the emotional intelligence where he's like no no tomatoes no tomatoes and everyone's like okay dom 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 calm down calm dom dom count to five dom all right you remember count to five like they're his carers or something and he's still going like, no tomatoes, no tomatoes. He hurls them across the room, tips a desk over. He's chanting it now. No tomatoes, no tomatoes. CCHQ storm in with a tranquilizer dart. Like you set him off again. Fucking sit him down. Put, put. He's... Like that is, maybe that's the problem. Like He's this dumb, happy kid, but he just kicks off. And so then the civil servants misconstrue that as bullying. I don't know. It's a theory. What else is going on? I'm seeing loads of stuff about um, heating bills again, right? 
loads of shit about cost of living. Uh, the energy price cap just went up again. I've seen quite a few articles with a similar theme to them. Like lots of people saying it's fine to freeze in January. That's basically the gist. Daily Mail opinion pages. Shut the fuck up about your heating, lads. Like, it's fine to freeze in January. That's, that is the common theme. Or it's fine to go careering into fuel poverty and debt. Because and here's, here's their reason for it. It's because they or their parents had it worse in the 1940s. It is just so exhausting. And so devoid of logic. Like this, this idea that Gen Z or millennials have had it too good. <laughs> or we're too soft, you know. That, that somehow this is a good thing now. That we're being hit with this shit. That we might not have it. Like I, I saw one in the Telegraph the other day. Other day, sorry, the other week. It was by Robert Taylor. Good old Robert Taylor. And it was like, power cuts might be just the thing to curb the entitlement of today's youngsters. Like, it wasn't those exact words, but it was almost those exact words. In fact, fuck it, where is it? I've got, I've got it here around somewhere. Hold on. I do do some prep, believe it or not. I just work very hard to make this look slapdash and punk rock. Here it is, right. Robert Taylor in The Telegraph. Hellish blackouts could yet have a silver lining. <laughs> a power cut or two might be just the ticket to shake some of today's youngsters out of their sublime sense of entitlement. Like, <laughs> utterly fucking ridiculous. A power cut or two might be just the ticket to shake some of today's youngsters out of their sublime sense of entitlement. Like, we should all just suck it up, apparently. We should just deal with going back to the Middle Ages. Because this guy thinks these kids today have it too good. It's like, Robert, Robert Taylor, please. Like, we are not just talking about, you know, switching the Xbox off. And showing your kids how you used to play in the garden. Like, you know, you kids don't know how good you have it with your PlayStations and your internets. You know, let me show you a little game that we used to play when I was a little boy called Conkers. Like that, that at least there is some level of charm to it, right? It's wholesome. It's reconnecting with your kids, Robert. It's showing them other ways of expending their leisure time in a positive manner. But we are talking about fucking electricity, mate. It's pretty fundamental. Like, like if you want to teach us a, you know, a you kids are a bit entitled lesson, fine. But does it have to be that fucking brutal? Like, Robert, like, I, 
I don't like how you kids are, are always staring at your phone. So like, oh, OK, what are you going to do? Like hide, hide my charger for a bit? No, I'm going to let the freezer defrost, the house dive to minus seven and your granddad's electric wheelchair grind to a halt halfway back from the shops in the snow. We're all going to freeze to death in medieval conditions. What the fuck, Dad? <laughs> it's a bit harsh. Have you had your pills today? I don't know, man. It is. It's a. It's a little over the top, isn't it? It's a heavy price to pay for being somewhat entitled. Like, mum, mum, I'm. I'm really sorry, but I left some chocolate out on on the armchair, and and a ray of sunlight melted it, and and I've tried hard to get it out, but it it is stuck there, and I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I've tried the stain devils. I've tried the stuff, and I've scrubbed it. I've, I've really tried, and I'm so sorry. And I won't do it again, Mum. I tr I truly apologise. And the mum like looks at her, looks at the armchair, looks back at her again. She's like, ugh. Pulls out a shotgun, cocks it. She's like, Mum, what the fuck? I'm sorry, Anna. But this might be just the thing to shake you out of your sublime sense of entitlement. <laughs> Blow! Flash forward to a couple of hours later. You know, the mum's trying to scrub the chocolate out. But also the blood stains from the, from the blood. Wow, that, no, that was too dark. That got dark there. I'm sorry. Anyway, look, these pieces are out there, man. That one was in The Telegraph, as I say, by Robert Taylor. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I wish we could get past this psychology that we have in this country of taking our own trauma and wearing it like it's a fashion accessory, you know? Like it's a good thing that you went through some terrible experience. It's like when you hear your dad complain about your complaining, Right? You know, like maybe you're upset about house prices because you, like, you can't get on the ladder. Maybe you're moaning about the cost of living because you can't afford to put the heating on. And he comes out with shit like, oh, in, in my day, we never even had central heating and it didn't didn't do me any harm. Like, how often have you heard that kind of mentality verbalized in the last few years? Well, it was shit when I was a lad. So now, fuck 50 years of progress and technological advancement. You should now also suffer the awfulness that I had visited upon me. Like, like, can we stop taking traumatic experiences that we've suffered? And, you know, instead of going, I had a bad experience and, you know, I don't want other people to have to go through the same thing. Like, instead of that, you go, well, it was fucking awful and cold and I was hungry pretty much all of the time. But you know what? It made me the man I am today. You'd be like, yes, it's made you a fucking bellend. <laughs> and you want to roll that out to every... Like, do you want more bellends in the world? You think there's a shortage of bellendry right now, do you? I, I don't think so either. And like, you know, when are these boomer motherfuckers... Like, why, why are they so keen to dismiss our concerns about heating? Especially... Like, you would think people in that age bracket, that demographic, they're always like, you know, sort of mid to late 70s or early 80s. And they come out with shit like, that's the problem with you whippersnappers. 
You know, we never had central heating when I was a kid. It didn't do me any harm. Like, great speech, Gramps. Fucking great. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure you're going to need central heating more than me in six weeks. Like, like you're, you're cheering on your EDF bill tripling. You're like six weeks away from you freezing to death yourself. <laughs> like, at least if I get cold, I can jog on the spot without breaking a hip, you daft cunt. Guys, that's it for this one. Who's coming to the gig in February? Who's up for it? It's me, Supertansky, Danny Price. If you are up for it, and uh, and look, if you're enjoying the show, uh, the podcast in general, tweet me, man. Let me know. Uh, especially if you haven't said hello on Twitter before. Because look, if you're just a spectator on Twitter, if you don't really tweet people or put your thoughts and opinions out there, you know, if you actually possess the mental health and self-awareness and self-respect to just enjoy Twitter without tweeting out every one of your thoughts and opinions every five minutes, unlike myself, you know, I, I like to get my thoughts out there, obviously. But if you are a quiet type on Twitter, but you do listen to the show, I would just ask just this once, you know, do say hello, tweet at me, because I do really love hearing from people. Uh, and I love hearing about how they're enjoying it and their ideas for the show and which parts they've they've enjoyed more than others or whatever. Um, that's it's always always gives me a massive boost when I hear from, uh, you know, sort of randoms like telling me that they that they tune in and that they're enjoying it. It's just nice. Um, also, if you do love the show, if you're enjoying it, maybe consider jumping on the Patreon. That is always there. Uh, you get in our little Discord chat where we talk shit about Tories and crack jokes and share political memes and talk about upcoming live events and so on. You get first look at those live shows. So we did one 27th of October. That was in Brick Lane. Got this other one coming up in February. And I'm going to give the ticket link to Patreons first. Um, so that is another benefit. Uh, you get an RSS feed for your podcast player. So when you get these episodes two days ahead of everyone else, like they go out on Patreon first, and then two days later, they go out to Spotify and Apple and so on. So you get this RSS feed. You can put it into any podcast podcast player. Uh, and then it will just go straight into, like, I think Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever. So so you don't even have to listen to it on Patreon. Um, so, yeah. So, look, if, if you are enjoying the show, maybe consider jumping on Patreon. Um, and the Patreon tiers are super cheap, man. It's like it starts from three quid a month. And what's three quid a month, man? That's like... You know, three quid a month, right, makes it. Let's play with this figure for a minute. Three pounds times 100 divided by 20,000 pounds, right? Keep that figure in your head for a minute. 20 grand would mean three pounds is 0.01% of the money Dominic Raab paid to the woman for the NDA. So, so it costs... So it costs 20 grand to shut her up. And for 0.01% of that, you can keep me talking. Fucking bargain. Anyway, here we go. The boogest of shout outs to the Patreon cult members. You guys rock my world. Uh, thank you so, so much for continuing your support of the show. It does mean everything to me. Um, so once again, shout outs to Anthony, Pingu, David, Alex, Aaron and Chris. And then Ricardo, Silent, T-Rex, 
Oliver, Sarah, Paul and Kerry. Thank you very, very much, guys. Um, that's it from me. Take care of yourselves. It's time for me to go and drink a beer in my pants. I'm out of here.